Well, welcome back. We're talking about week four of uh, Paul's Prayer Week, part three, and titled Already Not Yet. I mean, one of Mike's favorites, I think, because we are joined by Mike Harmon again this week. Hello. <laughs> this week, we are, we are stepping in and trying to put all of Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14 together. And today, it's going to come into the ideas of the already and the not yet. And if you whittle everything down to a nutshell, it is Jesus is king. And I can't remember, gosh, if it was, if it was Kent Hughes, John Piper, Tim Keller, N.T. Wright, somebody had this analogy about you take someone from a third or fourth world country and you throw them into downtown New York City with all the billboards and the lights and they're going to think this is just chaos. I don't understand. That's how I feel when I go there. So maybe I'm from a third or fourth world country because I've been to downtown New York City a couple of times and I'm like, I hate this. Um, and you have all this going on, and it's they're just like, I, I don't understand it. And that is how a lot of people, when they when they step into these verses that Paul speaks about, we get lost. It's like, I don't understand it. There's so much going on. You got election and mystery and already and not yet. And it's like, and our brains are just exploding because there's so much going on. And really, so if you want to whittle it down with so much, you just say, look, what really is the idea in a nutshell is Jesus is king. He's got it all in his hands and we can trust him to you. So Jesus has a kingdom that is coming. There is a future aspect of his kingdom because right now, not everything looks like it's been redeemed. There, there are tsunamis and there are earthquakes and there are all these things going on in the world. And yet Jesus has settled it because in the end he has one, but he has a coming kingdom. But there's also a second part of that. And then history right now already, he is king. And if we don't hold these two things together, we are going to be confused a lot like the person in downtown New York City of all this stuff that's kind of taking place. Though, you know, we don't think we see Jesus crowned yet overall, because again, brokenness and physical imperfection and suffering and all that, but history is being steered by the king because he is the king. Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10, which he set forth in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time. And that means that everything, every event is used for his glory and our good. One, one commentator I was reading said this. I don't know. This is my Sunday. This is my message for this week, too. It says, if Jesus Christ is king, it makes sense that everything doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love that. That's great. Perfect. Now my life makes sense. <laughs> so, Mike, why do you like uh, this already not yet in your life? Because we suffer. There's mm-hmm. there's hurt, there's pain, there's dysfunction, there's my own, all those categories of brokenness and hurt and hurting others. And I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this promise that it, all things will be restored and made right. There's a, a consummation of what is present now in the, in the inauguration of, the, of Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection that sets it all present and, and available, but it just isn't completed yet. Mm-hmm. And so it gives me great hope in the midst of the challenge and difficulty of this life, both personal and that which I see around me. So it's just, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And yet there's great hope mm-hmm. that this is going to be redone, made right, restored, recreated. You know. 
and nothing's going to be left undone. That's like the sad thing, I think, about liberation theology. Uh, So liberation theology looks and says God is doing uh, work in the world by restoring justice in the world, and we need to be part of whatever that— We got to do it. Yeah, we've got to do whatever that movement is. The the saddest thing about liberation theology—well, there's a lot of sad things. You know, one of them is it doesn't focus on the gospel. Uh, They think that political movements are the gospel. But the saddest thing about it, I think, is that the best this world could offer— here, mm-hmm. that in their mind is the best there is. That is your hope. That's your hope. And the best this world has to offer <clears throat> is a pale reflection of what eternity is going to look so, like with so Christ. So that's all about me, what right. I can do, what I can accomplish, or what we can accomplish, is that's the best it's going to get. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I do talk about this in there too, in, in this already not yet, if we if we hold that in intention and understand it, that it brings about certain things I talk about that it brings about assurance uh, because what be, what Christ begins, he will finish. I will, I will finish it. Secondly, it brings about a power in our lives because it's not about our effort, our energy. It's that God has promised victory. So there is a power to live and walk in that. Um, one, one person said it, it's like, you're getting a car accident and you wake up in the ambulance and they're like, it's okay. We got you. You know, you had an accident, but you're going to be okay. And then it brings a humility because really all we did was wake up in the ambulance. <laughs> That's all we did. Right. And God's like, I got you. I'm good. And that then brings that, uh, that hope that is there because God's the one that holds us and it brings us uh, a boldness because we can live and share the gospel because it's based in him. And that, that leads, I think, to a lot of freedom in our lives. And again, this all comes out of these verses as you stick them all together because it's God's work in our life. Yeah, assurance. Um, I mean, what an, that's profound because, mm-hmm. again, we can be hopeless or we can uh, be defeated by the reality of our circumstances or the reality of our sinfulness, and yet we can have a confident assurance that it's not gonna be, I'm not going to be left in this mess. Right. Even today. I mean, tomorrow has the prospect of being further redeemed, further restored than yesterday. And it's, it's the gospel's present for today. It's not, you know, saved from my past or saved from my future. It's today. Mm-hmm. And I have assurance that today I have the presence of Jesus walking with me. And, and, and that's just the, the now and the not yet is that mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, you know, but, but it's very present. So that's a great assurance. A good question I think to ask Can is, be. Do we live with the hope that God is working everything for his glory and our good? Do we live with that hope? And it's, do we see evidence of that happening now, yeah. too? So that's, I think that's a question we can ask. Mm-hmm. You know what? People in, in our GCs, is, is this the hope that you live in? Mm-hmm. And maybe people don't. And it could be because they only have only half the equation, right? right. They could be looking at the, the future, Right, that God, you know, there's heaven, and I'll be there one I day. Know where and, I'm getting and I, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so yeah, how do we see the fruit now, and how do we help people attach in their love of God in in a way that secures these things in the here and now? Gospel past, gospel present, mm-hmm. gospel future. Right, which one are are we focusing on? Because there's lots of people who just focus on gospel future. It's yeah. like what? oh, one oh, day, yes. one day, especially in this country, yeah. <laughs> gospel amnesiacs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We forget. Mm-hmm. That's for today. Mm-hmm. I think that today is the hardest to live in, right? Right. I think it is. Look at all this garbage. Look at all this that's happening. I don't understand it. And I think that kind of leads us to a place of questioning 
the not yet. As I said, do we have an expectation and a confidence of Jesus today working in my life mm-hmm. or in somebody else's life when we pray for them? Is there an expectation? Is there a confidence and an assurance because of the now? Mm-hmm. He's come, he's broke into the wreck that we've made of this world. Well, I think the expectation of him doing what he's going to do, because we have an expectation of what we want it to look like (laughs) versus what he actually does. does. That's, that's the thing. It's, we, we will think he's not working in our life because he's not doing what we want him to do. And yet he is working in our life because he's always working in our life. Mm -hmm. There is not a moment that he is not active in our lives. And that's where we have to let truth saturate our hearts and break up the lies that says that it's got to be the way I want it, mm-hmm. as opposed to this confidence that he's faithful. Even when I'm unfaithful, he remains faithful and will get done what, what I need to have done, not necessarily what I want to have done. Mike, you see, we, we're gathering this Sunday and then we're trying to get the guy, I'm trying to get the guys together the next week on our kind of our off week, so to speak. And I think it'd be a, a good exercise to ask the guys in particular if if they'd be willing to see if other people see these fruits of this evidence in our life and and to really pinpoint if someone's believing the gospel at all and then if they're in the past present or future and do we see the the assurance and power do we see humility hope or boldness might be a really powerful thing to look at to diagnose our theology Mm -hmm. and our our attachment in that yeah I i think sometimes when people hear the word power and think, I have the power. It doesn't lead to a humility when power of what God does should lead to humility. (laughs) And sometimes the humility doesn't lead to a boldness because, oh, I don't, you know, I just want to be humble. I don't want to. And, and all these things are meant to go together. And boldness could look not, not healthy at all. (laughs) And humility says, I didn't do any of this. Right. And and therefore I can be bold in sharing my story. (laughs) It's nothing to do with me. That's about everything's been done for me. Hashtag election. (laughs) (laughs) I love just the the topic of inaugurated eschatology because I think the the Christian power. Wow. What? Do we have a jar? Um, Ooh, I should do that sound. What? I like a like a money cash and the (laughs) change in the jar. Ka-ching. What word are we going to get in trouble for today? Not in trouble, but like, hey, I don't know what that means. Anyway, sorry, As go ahead. I was saying, I, the Christian task, it is to lament and, and have joy yeah. constantly. And it, it's so beautiful because I love it. You spoke to that tension because it's deeply human. Like who here has not groaned over sin and brokenness like Romans 8 says, but also we have this joy and we have this hope because we know that the kingdom has broken in and we have this expectation of it to, to be ushered in even more in its fullness. And I think pressing into both those things as a group would be really cool because yeah, you can't have a gospel past, present and future without both those aspects, the grief and the joy and the expectation. I, I wonder sometimes if we f- understand what it means that Jesus broke into, mm-hmm. you know, really up, upended, you know, I, I like the, you know, Acts where it says that he they come in and they set the world upside down. I think of that as setting the world right side up. And mm-hmm. that's what Jesus did. The disruptor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we turned it upside down. <laughs> yes, and he's setting the right side up. Yeah. Yeah. But how dramatic of an overthrow of our own will and our own authority and the world systems that Jesus coming really inaugurated. I just thought he'd broken Aaron's truck and stole his credit cards. <laughs> 
and used them. It's a victimless crime, apparently, according to the sheriff's department. Now that three weeks are over of election, right? Because you said get through all three weeks. Send us your questions, and either we'll next week we'll answer some of those, or we'll do a bonus episode just kind of walking through some of those real quick. And I don't know if we will answer all of them. Sure. Because in in some cases, I think it's better to be in a spot where you struggle and work through it. Because I can give my answer of what I think about it, but that doesn't mean, that's. but that's the work I've done in my heart. And I think God is still constantly changing certain things about it as I come to rest more and more in him. So maybe there are certain questions we won't answer and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know. So that's good. Personal struggle is so important. Yeah. Some of the guys I want to talk about, well, we need to, we need to teach more. Talking about GC. And it's like, yeah, but if it's never applied, it just is, it's never applied. It doesn't, it has no place mm-hmm. to rest on my heart. And so it doesn't change my heart if it's just informational. It just yeah. stays up here. What well, does it matter if you have read the Bible back to front, memorized the whole thing, if you're still in <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there, there, there's this, uh, I can't remember where, uh, you, you might know the story, uh, but there's this guy, oh gosh, I used to know his name. And they found he was like in a, a crappy prison for 10, 12 years. And all he had was a Bible to read. And when when they got out, uh, he just he just had all these Bible facts. Oh, mm-hmm. the center verse in the Bible is this. And this is the longest verse, the shortest verse. And, he, and it never applied to his life. Mm-hmm. All he did was look for all the facts out of it. And that's maybe what we do today. We look for so many facts and not the application of actually living it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how, how much you know. I mean, you and you and Jesus and your Holy Spirit prayer journal, if, if you're not actually living that out, and the way we live that out is in community with each other. Still needing milk, right? Because they won't feed themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. They won't wrestle with the issues. They won't engage with truth. In the heart. Well, give me more information. I need more. Uh, We'll see you next week. Next week on Leading Together Podcast, (laughs) Lapsarianism.